you've heard this all day already, but happy Easter. It's great to have you here. Uh, this morning, I'd like to share one of my favorite parts of the Easter story. Uh, you might know it as the road to Emmaus. Uh, to me, it's a story that's resonated with my life and my faith journey with God. It's about two disciples. It's two disciples who essentially they quit. They were disillusioned with the plan of God. They were disappointed in the people of God and they packed up and left. They quit. But Jesus pursued them. And something incredible happened that didn't just change their lives. But it's the beginning of a movement that transformed a region and the world even to this day. The story has uh, been ruminating in my mind, and the reason I wanted to share it with you today is because some of the studies that I've been reading, some reports that I've been reading, reports like this, there are a large, uh, one report said a large group of Christians have walked away from their faith over the last two years. George Barna puts it as one-third. One-third of practicing Christians have walked away from the church and left the faith over the last two years. It's not just Barna. Uh, you also have the Gallup pollsters. They said less than 50% of Americans are engaged in a relationship with Jesus. It's the lowest it's ever been since they started recording it in 1940. It's not just Christians, just if that's comforting to you. The American Family Survey Group said religious activity uh, as a whole is down nationwide and worldwide. So I guess my question for you is, how is your faith in Jesus? How is your religious walk? How is your confidence in the plan of God and his power to complete it in your life and through your life? I don't know how you came. Some of you, I assume, are here out of compulsion. Uh, you need to be here because of the family who invited you or the ride that you're on or the party that you're going to. I imagine some of you are here hoping to gain a glimpse of Jesus in hopes that he is real and can do something in your life as he did in the life of someone that you know. And I'm sure a large number of you are here because you believe in the power of God to raise Jesus from the dead to bring life to death, to renew, to restore, to redeem. However you've come today, my hope in sharing the story is that you see Jesus in a new and even more powerful way as a result of this service. If you have your Bible, if you can join me in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, it's the third book of the New Testament. Just go, if you can't find Luke, you don't know where it is, just go to the beginning of your New Testament, book of Matthew, and start flipping to the right. The more pages you flip, the more spiritual you look. Uh, so just be bold and keep flipping. If you didn't bring a Bible, you can download the Chino Valley Community Church app. And when you get onto the homepage, just down there in the bottom icon, you'll see Bible, and you can just tap in Luke chapter 24. While you're turning there, let me give you the context and pick you up to where we are in the story. See, Jesus has already been mocked. He's already been beaten. He's already been crucified. He's already been buried and buried for three days. And he had to be buried so quickly because of Passover. 
And so we're picking up the story at a time where a number of women who were following him wanted to come and finish the embalming process. They just wanted to go and pay their final respects, and that's where we pick up the story. Luke chapter 24, verse 1. It says this, But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they came to the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, surprise, two men suddenly stood near them in dazzling clothing. And as the women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living one among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee, saying the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. And then they had this epiphany at verse 8. And suddenly they remembered his words and returned to the tomb again and reported all these things of the eleven to all the rest. Now they were Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, also the other women with them were telling these things to the apostles. Big biblical but right there, verse 11. But these words appeared to them as nonsense, as they would not believe them. First thing I want you to know, here's the context and setting for Easter. No one believed it. I want you to know that. That first Easter, no one bought it. The ladies went to expect Jesus in the tomb. When they didn't see him, you would think that they would start to remember, oh, you know what? Jesus said something about rising again. Nope. They find two angels. Two angels are saying, hey, he's not here. Still not remembering. Finally, the angels say, remember, he said this stuff. And Larry's like, oh, yeah, that's right. They go in again. Hey, you're right. He's not there. He rose. So they went and told it to the disciples, to the apostles. They're the professionals. They're the original pastors, the men of the cloth. I mean, they should know. When the ladies told the disciples that Jesus had risen, risen, verse 11, it appeared to them as nonsense, and they didn't believe it. That term nonsense, ludicrous. These ladies were out of their minds. As the ladies were talking about what they saw, the disciples just rolled their eyes in disbelief. This is the setting. This is the first Easter. And listen, I want you to know, if you come here like, Brian, I don't know if I believe the power of Easter, you're in great company. None of them believed in the power of Easter. Everyone was struggling to grasp what God's doing, and that's the setting for the next part of the story. Is that setting of disbelief that this happened? Verse 13, and behold, surprise. Man, you're supposed to be shocked by this. Two disciples, two of them were going out that very day to a village named Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things which had taken place. And while they were talking and discussing, now when the Bible says talking and discussing, that is Bible talk for arguing. Right? It's stuff that my wife said, no, 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 we're not arguing, we're discussing. Okay. Sounds like arguing to me. <laughs> These two disciples right there in the midst of all this disbelief, they're leaving. They're gone. Jesus is dead. They're going home. And they're arguing about it. They're broken. They're hurting. And you got to understand why. 
These disciples left everything for Jesus. Left their jobs, their homes, their family. I mean, they, they went all in. Expecting Jesus to bring in the kingdom of God and what they pictured it to be. And nothing worked out that way. So they're arguing back and forth to each other. A lot of emotion here. And as they're walking, look at verse 15. While they were talking and discussing, another word for arguing and fighting loudly, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them. All of a sudden, Jesus shows up and starts walking down this lonely road with them. Seven-mile stretch of just dirt road. Jesus starts walking. But look at this, verse 16. But their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. In the Greek, that means a third party, namely God, pulled a veil over their eyes so those disciples did not know it was Jesus. So here's these two disciples. They're grumpy. They're grizzled. They're frustrated. They're angry. They're discussing loudly. And Jesus walks with them, and God protects them from recognizing him. And if you're like me, you start asking questions like, why? Why would God do that? Why do you think God would protect them from recognizing it's Jesus? And here's my, here's my opinion. I think it's so they could have an honest interaction with Jesus. See, if I was upset, if I was disillusioned with religion, disappointed with his people, and I knew Jesus was there, I'd just keep my mouth shut. I'd repeat all the Bible verses I heard as a kid. I'd start singing all the hymns that I have in my heart. I'm not going to have it out with Jesus right here. This is the beautiful thing about Easter. See, here's these two disillusioned, broken, angry disciples down this road. Jesus is just walking with them. And God hides it from their eyes. They don't recognize him. Here's what happens in verse 17. He, meaning Jesus, said to them, what are these words that you're exchanging with one another as you're walking? That's Christian talk for, what are you guys arguing about? What has you so mad? Like, what's going on? And and they stood still. The other two stopped in their tracks. One of them, named Cleopas, answered and said to him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of the things that happened in these days? In other words, where have you been? That's like someone coming up to your home for lunch after church saying, hey, how come everyone's in town wearing masks? Hey, what happened to gas prices? Weren't they like $250 just like a year ago? And by the way, how come everyone's leaving Ukraine? I mean, you would just sit here and think, where have you been? These guys, Jesus said, hey, what has you guys so stirred up? This one guy stops, looks at Jesus, said, dude, where have you been? And again, if I was Jesus, I'd have responded this way. Where have I been? I've been getting mocked and beat. I just got crucified, and I was in a tomb for three days. Where have I been? I've been getting these six-inch spikes in my wrist. Where have I been? I went through all that and got raised from the dead and all my friends are gone. You realize that? 
Jesus raises from the dead, everyone's gone. Everyone's scattered. No one's there. But that's if I was Jesus. You're lucky I'm not. After they say, where have you been? Look at Jesus' response, verse 19. He said to them, what things? Hey, just talk to me. Just humbly, respectfully, they don't recognize who it is. Hey, so talk, come on, just talk to me. And they just gush it. Jesus says, what things? Come on, just let me know. And they go, and they said to him, the things about Jesus the Nazarene, who was a prophet, oops, first one. Hey, we just thought he was a prophet, mighty in deed and word in the sight of God and all the people. Man, you know, we had these hopes of Jesus. He was mighty in word, man. He could teach the Bible like no one else. He taught with authority and people listened. He taught as if he wrote it. And he had power. Man, he could calm the storms, healed diseases, renewed and restored families. Like, man, we had hopes for this guy. We roped everything. We lumped everything in behind this prophet. And now the chief priests and the rulers delivered him to the sentence of death and crucified him. Look at verse 21, because here you go with the real struggle. Here's what it's about. We were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Man, we thought he was going to come and kick out Rome. He thought he was going to put Israel back on the map. We thought he was going to come and create a political state. We thought he was going to come and, and restore us back to our rightful position as a city on a hill, the favored nation of God. We thought he was going to come and build a political revival. And besides all this, It's the third day since these things happened. But also some women among us amazed us. When they were at the tomb earlier in the morning, did not find his body, they came saying that they had always seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it exactly as the women had said, but him they did not see. We learned two things about the disciples. First, they're disillusioned of God's plan. Hey, we got behind the plan that we thought Jesus had, and he failed. We thought he was going to revive the nation. We thought he was going to have a political victory. Well, that didn't work. He died. We're disillusioned with his plan. And the second thing he says, and you know what? People said he rose from the dead, but if he did, no one's seen him. So best case scenario, he failed. Worst case, he didn't, and he abandoned us on this road. Hey, if Jesus rose again, no one saw him. I want you to remember, they're talking to Jesus this time, right? The struggle they had. We're disillusioned with the plan of God. We're disappointed in the people of God, right? Because they all scattered. 
I mean, everyone quit. We're disillusioned with his plan. We're disappointed in his people. And we think he just abandoned us. He just left. I wonder anyone else ever feel that way in your walk with God. No one else kind of buy in with God and expect that your life would be different. Hey, God, after all these years that I committed to you and you let my wife, you let my mom, you let my dad get sick. Man, after all the time at this church, and you let the church hurt me like this. God, I prayed for my children. I brought them to VBS 18 summers in a row. And you still haven't captured their heart. Maybe feel disappointed with the church over these last two years. I'm like, man, if that's God's people, forget it. Maybe you just feel abandoned. Maybe you feel like you've done too much and God's just written you off. Now, I want you to know, if you feel any of those things, you're not the first. You're not the last. And you're not alone. No one that first Easter understood. No one that first Easter believed. And nearly everybody quit. But this is all I want you to see. See, that's the power of Easter. People love to talk about the power of Easter as the empty tomb. And yes, that's part where God raised Jesus from the dead just as he promised. But Jesus didn't raise from the dead and not see any people and just take off. Jesus started pursuing his broken disciples. You see that? See, if I was Jesus, if I went through that, rose from the dead, looked around, no one's here, all right, peace out, I'm going to heaven. Good luck. Jesus. Jesus finds two grumpy, grizzled, disillusioned, disappointed, isolated disciples on a lonely road, griping, grousing, complaining, arguing, and Jesus just saddles right in and interacts. See, I think this is why this story's here. I want you to see how Jesus dealt with these two disciples. Let's keep reading. After they just unloaded on Jesus, verse 25, they still don't know who he is. Jesus said to them, O foolish men and slow of heart to believe. And we read that and we're like, wow, that sounds harsh. It's not as harsh as that. Like in the Greek, it's just like, you guys are missing the point. You guys are way off base. Man, you guys have missed the train. It's like, listen, you need to believe in all the prophets have spoken. Verse 26, was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? Verse 27, then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself and all the scriptures. And you got to remember, these guys likely have been walking with Jesus for 
year and a half, two years? I mean, Jesus had talked to them. They had meals together. They shared this. They interacted about this. Jesus talked about it all the time. These guys should have known better. But on that lonely road, Jesus settles up to these two lost, broken guys. Patiently, calmly. Okay, let's start again from the top. I imagine Jesus talked about Moses and said, hey, let's go back to Moses and those sacrifices that people made, that sacrificial lamb. What was that about again? Innocent blood needed to be shed to cover for your sins. All the law, what was that important for again? For you to recognize your need for a savior? I imagine Jesus went to Isaiah. Hey, remember what Isaiah said? By his wounds will be healed. Remember what Daniel said about the Messiah, why he would come, when he would come? Jesus just pay, just patiently again brings these people along. And I gotta tell you, that's why I love this story. Because I feel like that's my story. I grew up in church, dad, church leader, grandfather, pastor. I was wearing three piece suits to church every Sunday starting at nine years old. I memorized all the verses. I won all the good Christian kid awards. Went through all the Christian school. I knew all the right answers. But when I turned 18, I was disillusioned with the plan of God. After 18 years, after all I've done, this is where my life ends up. My family was poor. My grades weren't great. I was teased in school. I was disillusioned with the plan of God. I was disappointed with his people. The church I grew up in was big, but it wasn't healthy. I was disillusioned, I was disappointed, and I felt abandoned. So I left. I walked away. I quit. For two years. I felt like I was on a road just like this. Grousing, complaining, criticizing every chance I could get. Then two years later, God did something in my heart. I can't explain it. I just had this desire to go to Biola, a place where God works. Miracles. It's not the only place he does it. It's just the best place he does it. (laughs) And I went to Biola. And for four years, God used men and women to help me see the plan of God in the scriptures. I had heard it all before. I had memorized a ton of it. But good men, good women walked me through it. I wonder... Could it be, those of you who are struggling with your faith, 
Those of you who are disillusioned with what God's doing, disappointed with who he's doing it with, or just feel like God's abandoned you, is it possible that God's been at work in you this entire time? See, I think that's why this story's in here. When Jesus rose from the dead, he didn't just sit there and wait for people to find him. He pursued the people who needed him. Well, after he takes time educating them and helping them have a better understanding of the plan of God, look at how the story continues. Verse 28, look at the impact. They approached the village where they were going, and he acted as though he were going further. I mean, there's just God. Jesus is just so coy. He's like, okay, we'll see you later. I'm going to keep going. Verse 29, but they urged him, stay with us. It's getting towards evening. The day is now early, or it's nearly over. You do not want to walk on this road at night. Jesus, there's a lot of kooks out there, right? Like Jesus doesn't know. So he went in to stay with them. And when he had reclined at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it. And breaking it, he began giving to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. You got to picture that, right? Because the last time they interacted with Jesus in person was where? Last Supper. They're celebrating Passover. Everyone's reclining at the table. There's a little drama with Judas. Then Jesus broke the bread. Remember that? This is my body broken for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. There they are, just three guys. Jesus breaks the bread, hands it to them. God reveals their sight. They're able to recognize Jesus, and Jesus is gone. They began to wonder, I wonder why Jesus took off like that. I think it's out of mercy. If I was those guys saying what I just said for seven miles on that road, to suddenly recognize Jesus was there, I'd start backtracking. Oh, Jesus, oh my gosh, I didn't know it was you. What I said back there, I didn't really, it would have been awkward. And it reminded me, Jesus came and said, I didn't come to judge the world. I came to save it. Man, I want you to see the power of Easter isn't just the empty tomb. The empty tomb's important. But so is what Jesus did after he rose. I want you to see the impact of these guys. Their eyes were open. They recognized him. He vanished from their sight. They said to one another, were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road, while he was explaining the scriptures? Hey, didn't you notice something was stirring that's different? Man, now that I'm thinking about it, there was something special with God. And I got to tell you, that whole, that whole burning, heart burning, I was trying to picture what that would feel like, and I decided, I think that's what it feels like to be at church on Sunday. And I got to tell you, Monday through Saturday, it's nuts. And I know I get paid to be up here, but my family's just as nutty as yours. My kids are just as busy as yours. My money goes 
not as far, just as yours. Monday through Saturday is crazy, but I got to tell you, there's something about Sunday. And we joke that maybe it's the donuts. Maybe it's the coffee. Maybe it's the people. I don't think so. The Bible says better is one day in his courts than a thousand elsewhere. I think there's something powerful and special about church. About coming together with the people of God in the presence of God. Being encouraged and reminded. I hear it from people coming. Man, I felt great on Sunday. And there's something special that happens at church. There's something spiritual that happens from God's word. Well, after they start recognizing, oh my gosh, that was Jesus, look at their response, verse 33. They got up that very hour, returned to Jerusalem, and found gathered together the eleven and those who were with them, saying, the Lord has really risen and has appeared to Simon. First thing I want you to see, these guys had an immediate change of heart. Seven miles ago, they were trying to get away from Jerusalem as fast as they can. Seven miles ago, they'd quit. Seven miles ago, they were disillusioned with the plan of God. Seven miles ago, they were disappointed in the people of God. Seven miles ago, they felt abandoned by God. And now they couldn't wait to get back. An immediate change of heart. Now that we know Jesus is real, we want more. Now that we know Jesus is real, we need to get back. An immediate change of heart. I wonder if there's anyone here ready to do that. You've been like me. You've been on that lonely road. Grimacing, griping, complaining. Disillusioned with God. Disappointed with God's people. Abandoned in your failure. But if you're ready to recognize that Jesus has been pursuing you from that day. Maybe you're ready to have a change of heart. I love what the Bible says about how we can pursue Jesus. Look what it says in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews 4. It says, Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. If you're ready for a change of heart, I want you to know Jesus isn't coming to judge you. Jesus didn't rise out of the grave to smite you. Jesus has been pursuing people from the day he rose from the grave. Perhaps maybe he's here pursuing you. In just a moment, we're going to give you a chance. Have a change of heart. Pray for a new beginning, a new start, a change of direction in your life. But I want to show you one more thing. See what Jesus did with these two disciples, he didn't just do to them. It says, so they came back saying, the Lord was risen and has appeared to Simon. They began to relate their experience on the road and how he was recognized by them in the breaking of the bread. Jesus has done the same thing. When Jesus rose, he pursued the broken people on the road to Emmaus, but they weren't that special. He also appeared to Peter. Peter, who had denied Jesus three times. The same Peter who, was, who had promised to die for Jesus. 
The same Peter who Jesus told him he would deny him three times. Jesus not only appeared to those two broken disciples on the road, he pursued Peter. There are also 11 disciples, 10 disciples cowering in a room, afraid, doors locked, windows closed. Jesus pursued them. There's one disciple missing, Thomas. When he started telling Thomas, the other disciples told Thomas, Jesus has written, Thomas didn't believe it. And so they all came in and Jesus waited till all 11 of them were in a room and then Jesus appeared again. And this is what Jesus did when he rose from the grave. The power of Easter is not just the empty tomb. It's what Jesus did after. He pursued person after person after person. And I think Jesus still does that 2,000 years later. My hope for you today, you will gain a, not only a clear image of Jesus but a clearer understanding of why he rose. He rose from the grave to conquer death and to save you. Let's go to Jesus now. Let's pray. Ah, God, I'm grateful for your word. I'm grateful for your word because it allows us to see the brokenness of people before us and allows us to be broken before you now. Jesus, I'm grateful for what was recorded of your heart. Jesus, I'm grateful for your being quick to forgive, slow to anger, slow to judgment. God, we know your will is that no man perish but everyone have eternal life. And Jesus, many of us come before you now this morning admitting the last two years have been rough. There's been division, heartache, worry, a loss of control. God, our culture just seems to be getting kookier and kookier and So God, we confess some of us have been disillusioned by your plan, not seeing what you're about. God, some of us have been hurt by your people. God, and some of us have just assumed that you've just abandoned us on the road. But God, I believe there's people here today that want a fresh start with you. God, recognizing Jesus that you pursue still to this day. God, so those people who are confessing their failures, who are humbling themselves before you, who are reaching out and asking for a new beginning with you, asking for a fresh start with you, Jesus, I pray you hear them. Jesus, I pray that you would hear their confession as they share their weaknesses, their failures their fears, their losses. And Jesus, I ask that you would respond as you've promised. That if we would just confess our sins, God, you will be faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins.
Cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Jesus, I pray you also fill them with your spirit, your life. God, that they might experience a peace that is beyond comprehension. And they might experience a joy that's overflowing. And then, God, I ask, Jesus, I pray that you would lead them and guide them. And even though they may walk through the valley of the shadow of death, God, they have nothing to fear, for you are with them. Your rod and your staff, they comfort them. And then when it's all said and done, God, they will rest in your presence forever. As every head is bowed, I want to ask if anyone has prayed for a fresh start, a new beginning, we just raise your hand because I want to pray for you. I see that. I see that. Thank you. I see that. I got it. Anyone else? Raise your hand. I see that. I see that. Okay, let me pray for you. God, these people who have reached out to you, God, their desire is that you would respond to them as you did those disciples so many years ago. God, may they experience your forgiveness. May they gain an understanding of your plan. God, may they grow in your image. Jesus, I pray that you would restore their brokenness, renew their soul, revive their life. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.